What's going on, good people? Welcome to Unrestricted. I am your host, Ben Lieber. I hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful week. My guest this week is none other than Paul Allen. Nope, not the Paul Allen tech giant and owner of the Seattle Seahawks, but I'm talking about the more important Paul Allen for the Minnesota Vikings. He is the voice of the Minnesota Vikings. He's also the lead man from 9 to noon on KFAN Radio, FM 100.3 in the Twin Cities. He's also the voice of Canterbury Park, which is the horse track in Shakopee, Minnesota. And Paul and I have known each other since I joined the Vikings back in 2006. He has been, you know, undeniably important in my broadcasting journey, in my broadcasting career. He's given me countless number of opportunities to cut my teeth on his station, to give me advice. And as you hear, the sort of personality and advice that you're gonna get from PA is is really, you know, not to sound so corny and douchey, but it really uh, is unrestricted. It's unfiltered and it's very honest. He's a very upfront, honest person and he does not pull any punches. Um, and that's the reason why I love him so much. I owe a lot to him and uh, I was so gracious and, and happy and grateful that he was able to join the podcast, take some time out of his super, super busy, busy day as it is the summertime. It's horse track season. It's also ramping up to be football season along with his nine to noon duties. He's a very busy man, but he took some time with me to record this podcast. And I got to tell you, this is this is a Paul Allen that I've never heard before. You know, we did not intend to get into some of the deep things that we got into early on. I really wanted to talk to him about the Minnesota Vikings, which we do get to, but the front part of this podcast uh, may surprise you with how deep it kind of goes into his spiritual life and things that are very, very important to him. So I hope you guys enjoy my sit down with the incomparable Paul Allen on Unrestricted. This podcast is brought to you by the one, the only Douglas and Todd bourbon. You can find Douglas and Todd at douglasandtodd.com. It is grain to glass, Minnesota made gold medal winning bourbon. Who says you can't have good bourbon outside of Kentucky? Well, we do at Douglas and Todd. The reason being the extreme hot and cold temperatures of Minnesota as it matures and those charred American oak barrels for over five years lends itself to the expansion and contraction of the temperatures. And by doing that, it goes inside the wood and gets pressed out of the wood and just brings out that bold, rich, yummy flavor of bourbon that you love so much. And you be the judge for yourself. Go to douglasandtodd.com. Go to the store locator in the upper right-hand corner. Find the liquor store closest to you so you can judge for yourself. Douglas and Todd Bourbon, Minnesota-made, grain-to-glass, Gold medal winning bourbon, douglasandtodd.com. Mr. Paul Allen, look at that smile. What's up, bud? What's up, man? Uh, it's really cool to be on the podcast. You know, from um, with Unrestricted, from you talking about it, then starting it, then the Kyle Rudolph interview, which shook up NFL Nation, not just locally. It just captured the imagination of all of us through Courtney Cronin. HOF Steve Hutchinson, and, and now I get to be a guest. Um, let me thank you for the opportunity to be your guest. Well, you are a fantastic microphone to uh, to bellow out all the things about Unrestricted. Um, 
thanks for always supporting. Seriously, like sure. I, I no mean, problem. everybody around here at iHeart, you know, I don't, I don't try to ask much, but you guys are always so gracious to um, to promote anything that I'm kind of doing and trying out and starting. And this thing started last September, and we're coming up on a year. And <laughs> holy shit, I can't believe it. Um, and <laughs> oh, that's right, we can cuss. Yeah, you can cuss. Yeah, Sweet. that's fine. You just all I have to do is just click the explicit. Checkbox, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, I'm that good. you know. Speaking of cuss words, I had a conversation uh, the other day with somebody about cuss words because, as you know, <clears throat> the Bible and and Christianity is very very important to me. But I like to cuss. Okay, now if I look at you and I'm like, "Hey Ben, J C U F E whatever." Yeah. All right, that that's a straight in in the way the way I live. That's a straight on sin. But if I'm like. You know what the f? Look, uh, uh, how the f did that happen? Man determined that the f word is a bad word. So if I'm within a group and they're offended or they find it untoward or they don't, you know, like to hear the word, cool, I understand that. But then, like somebody came at me the other day, being like, "Bro, it's it's sinful for you to say the f word or say, you know, who put this shit here or you know, why do people bitch about this?" Man determined those were bad words. It the Bible did not, so it's okay. Uh, I ain't dropping an f bomb here because that that'll be announcer immortality the wrong way. Um, but so I like to cuss, man, and I like to drop them into certain spots, and you know, but it's not sinful, and that uh, so that needed to be shared. You don't think at one point in time Jesus was walking around and stubbed his <laughs> on, stubbed his toe with Come his on, with his open toed sandals because they didn't have protection back then. He didn't have steel toed boots. You don't think that he stubbed his toe on a rock and was like shit. Whatever, whatever the whatever the Hebrew word for shit was, or mother, I you know, can't believe you're saying this. Why? But why? Well, would, you know, he was yeah. he was still man. Well, you know, see, that's the beauty of, right. of Jesus. Was he? You're hey, so he he was God incarnate in man, and he had mm-hmm. uh, mortal mortal tendencies. Um, tendencies. Yeah, I I had a conversation with um uh, one of my great friends, Pastor Wes Feltner, the other day. And I took it a step too far, as I'm wont to do with with my black and white, open vein nature, where, you know, in the Bible, it it says all over, you know, when it comes to lust or looking at a woman or a woman looking at a man, everybody gets one look, okay? Jesus had one look, but I mean, you know, for fear of not being blasphemous, you know that there was a time he was in Assyria with his dogs, and he's walking around spreading the word, and this Egyptian lady with just a giant rack rolled around the corner. How hard did he have to fight to not take two looks? He's like, Peter, Matthew, John, one look, stop. Let's move on. Galilee's that way. Let the lady go that way. So you're right about tendencies and about, about human nature. But it does, it does, it does have a breaking point as you just almost pushed me past. <laughs> that was the other thing I was going to go to. Guaranteed, when Mary Magdalene, which I believe was a prostitute, mm-hmm. when she came to the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. and she's like, "Save me!" Yeah, he's like, "Boy, this broad is sweat. stop." He did not. Yeah, he did. No, he he yes, he did. At some point, no, he, he was didn't. like, he he took a he took a lustful look and was no. like, "Man, through through that dress that she's wearing." There's there's some ham hocks there, man. Well, see, you're, and he, you know, he he <laughs> some had, ham hocks. He had to have oh elb- elbowed one of the of his apostles or disciples yeah. and been like, hey, no, get a no, he that. didn't. Yes, no, he, he didn't. did. But see, you're also going under the assumption like there's a a show called The Chosen 
that's through two seasons. It's an app that that um, that you have to download. There's this cat named Dallas Jenkins, and he had this show. Jonathan Rumi plays plays Jesus, and that's a really tough role to play. And you and, think? And Jonathan <laughs> is fantastic. Once again, it's called The Chosen. And he went to TV studios, and he went to people trying to to say, "I got this show." And it was like three, four years ago, and and he got shut down at all angles. So he's like literally F it. He said, I'm putting the show on Facebook. So they developed a Facebook page, got like 8 million views, crowdsourced, kind of like what uh, Corey did with Mm -hmm. uh, the initials game, the – uh, whatever that's called, and and they um uh the the crowdsourcing where you get money, you know what I'm talking yeah, I know about. What you're talking about. Um uh and and they raised enough to get a season off, and now they they've been through two seasons, but it it that reminded me of what you said about Mary Magdalene because in the chosen Mary Magdalene is gorgeous. I mean she's phenomenal. Of course she she's is. She's just a beautiful yeah. woman. But there's no guarantee she looked like that two thousand years ago. And to God, it doesn't matter what she looked like. So it didn't. It really didn't. I'm not talking myself into that. It just didn't. So we have to we have to recognize that. <laughs> but you can say that, but you can't you can't definitively say that Jesus didn't be like ta-da. Like, oh yes, yeah. I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. There, let, let me let, let's tangent off of this. And in, in just another question, because I am curious yeah. though. You and you and I have known each other for a really long time. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I love you, very I mean, much, as man. far as like Basically, 2006, when I signed my free agent contract here, mm-hmm. I don't think that we started a relationship right then and there. But no. you know, we've known known of each other and got to know each other since 2006. You have not always been a spiritual man. That's no, sort I have of, actually. Well, okay, outwardly spiritual. I'll say it like that. Right. You know, I know that you have the love covenant going on mm-hmm. on the Nine to Noon Radio Show, but to be outwardly talking about it when you're quoting scripture, where you're talking about the pastor or the somebody you just got advice from, or like, whoa, even on Twitter, you're like, are you blown away by the sermon or something on a Sunday? Yeah, that seems like a recent development. Why? Why are you so comfortable now talking about that? Uh, very fairly stated. Now I'm 55 years old, and <clears throat> you know, I was baptized Catholic, and and I always have been a person either in Washington, D.C. or the Los Angeles area, San Francisco when I called races here or whatever. I've always been a person who prayed. I've always believed in God. And I've always been the person who, like, would walk into situations where I get overwhelmed with beauty or whatever and just be the one to talk to God and be like, thank you, Father, like in the Caribbean, you know, say on a cruise with the kids or whatever. And I know you go to the Bahamas yearly, so you've probably seen what I'm talking about. You walk into this beautiful turquoise water, and I'm always the one and always have been the one that said, thank you, Father, this is beautiful, okay? Now, that'd be about it. So I've always talked to God, and I've always I've always voiced my faith that way. Now, over the last two years, I have really put a concerted effort in in reading the Bible. And the, the prophecy from Genesis through Revelation— I took a seven-week conference on Revelation to properly understand the metaphor, tie it to the Old Testament, Daniel, Ezekiel, um, Isaiah, and so on, you know, to to tie the New Testament and the Old Testament, because with Judaism, when Malachi is done, it's over, and Jesus is not the Messiah. Now, you know, for Christians, it's the totality of, of the Bible, and I was fascinated by that. So, you know, really when I started reading it and learning not only— learning about the story, but really just the right way to live. I mean, whether you believe in, in Christ, <clears throat> you're, you're an atheist, agnostic, or whatever, it's when it's love one another, 
control the lust, don't steal, don't kill, don't covet. You know, I live in Nacho's neighborhood. Say your lawn and your driveway and your cars are better than mine. I ain't going to walk out every single morning and look over there and covet what you want. So there are just so many messages and so many examples that are really in unimpeachable fashion the only way to live. And, And so that really pulled me in. Because two years ago, I didn't know God was Jesus. Jesus was God on earth. I didn't know that. Okay? Oh, you didn't know no, that? No, I didn't. I didn't know okay. that. I knew of Jesus Christ. I knew he died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later. So I knew that story, and I knew a lot of the cursory stories that everybody knows. But when I realized that, and then I got into the supernatural of things that happened all throughout the Bible 2,000 years ago— And it really just overcame me that there's so much evidence from so many different people who witnessed miracles and witnessed the totality of the story. And there are atheists and there are people still 2,000 years later working really hard to debunk it. And, And it's still just so powerful that the the truth and the veracity of it just really overwhelmed me in a way that never had through my first 53 years. And so taking the conference on Revelation, studying First John for about two and a half months, and just really rereading books and passages and trying to find the non-obvious of what it means, it just overwhelmed my life. And it's every second of every single day. And I, I read and or listen to the Bible every day. <clears throat> I do Bible study multiple times a week. I go to church certainly every week. And a lot of people do that. But, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the just the greatest sermon that's ever been given. It included the Beatitudes, which began with blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Learning and, and it's not what my perception of it is. Because it's, it's you know, people will say to me that, you know, there are different opinions of the Bible, and it hits me this way and hits me that mm-hmm. way, which I disagree with. Because the way it was shared, it was shared from Jesus in a time where they had nothing. And I think there's only one way to look at it. For instance, you know, if I, I've taught my kids the Lord's Prayer, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name— Basically, everybody knows that, including Jews and probably Muslims and so on. A lot of people will know what that is. But if you if you read it and reread it and reread it and reread it and reread it and really think about 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ said, give us this day our daily bread, they didn't have any effing food, okay? So when we're flying through this with our kids, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses— you know, because we can feel good about ourselves teaching it to our kids, and we've done that, and we've done God's work. No, you haven't. But you haven't done it until you recognize the importance of thy, not I, and and just the nuance of give us this day our daily bread. It was a plea. They were begging for food. They didn't have food. And, you know, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So I live thy, not I. And you've known me long enough to know whether we jump on Unrestricted, uh, Twitter, I'm speaking at chapels now. I've done that twice. And you talk about something nerve-wracking, holy cow, to a crowd of 70 people sharing the Word of God. <clears throat> that that shakes me up in a way calling games, races, or doing a radio show never has. And it's also the greatest honor I've ever had into a microphone, more so 
than Minneapolis Miracle, Farve in 09 when you played, race calls, radio shows. It's the greatest honor in the world to prep a sermon and deliver it to people and to have people after say, hey, this was Second Peter or this with Philippians 3, 5 through 9, the Apostle Paul, that really talked to me, that really you know resonated with me. I mean, that's just such a great feeling to know that, that I have the ability and, and through God the ability to put me in a position to share something that's so personal to me and so personal to so many and attempt to do it the right way. But it, it, you know, you've known me, man, for more than 10 years. If we're not talking about the Bible, if we're not talking about God, you know, I would hope you would say Paul thinks of others before he does himself. Sure. Paul, it can be perceived that with game calls, race calls, radio shows maybe, that Paul has life at the top, okay? That, you know, his game calls and all that are as good as anybody in the history of the NFL. And I'm not saying that's what I believe, but there are people who believe that. So life at the top found peace at the bottom. And through that, I, I feel I've always been humble. I've always had humility. And, and so I've always been a certain way, but I've unlocked it by reading the Bible hmm. and dedicating myself to it. And it's not a peace by convenience. I don't live to impress God. It's just how I live. And it's it's the most beautiful part of my life. It's not even close. It's not stopping. There's much more to come. And when I get the opportunity on Mondays at Canterbury Park in our chapel to people who come from all over the country, they live in these tiny rooms, sometimes without air conditioning, and they don't have anything, okay? And there are trainers and owners of horses, announcers, whatever. We have the perceived life at the top. Well, no, we don't, because in the eyes of God, we're all the same. So main man over there can wear clothes nobody would wear and be dead broke. And this horse owner over here just won five $1 million races. In the eyes of God, we're all the same. And you live the same, and you live to get to heaven. So that's fascinating to me that we truly all are the same. And, and you know, it's like I said, you know, somebody would look at somebody and be like, I never wear those clothes. That person must be poor. They're poor in spirit, and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And that's the end of the story. We don't judge. And I think I've always been like that. I just know more about it now. So then what happened two years ago? What what Was, was there an actual life event two years ago that you said, I'm turning this light switch on? I've, I've done it. I've lived this way kind of privately. Yeah. I wouldn't say secretly, but you just were more introverted with your beliefs in, in all in your spirituality. Um, was there some sort of question. catalyst that was like, boom, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an awesome question. I've never been asked that question. Um, the answer, see, the answer is I became comfortable. Pastor Wes Feltner, okay, with Faith Family Church, <clears throat> where I go every Saturday night at six o'clock in Burnsville. Wes and I are going to start a podcast on the iHeart app called Faith and Goal, and it's going to tie football together with faith. Um, He was preaching on a series called All Sides of the Savior, and I was sitting next to Vikings, um, Vikings statistician, you know him, Poopy Dave, David Koob, Lisa, the flight attendant with whom I live. And the way he was sharing all sides of the Savior, like the, the burden of unforgiveness, the burden of idolatry, week after week, Going, go, being baptized Catholic and, and, and going to Catholic church, it's the same pretty much every single week. And it's not bad. I mean, you pray, you're up, you're down, yeah. you got a homily. Believe me, I know. Yeah, yeah. we're uh, with communion. Um, and then it's, it's the same, and that's fine. 
That's totally fine. I've never believed in purgatory. It's not in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, then it didn't exist. So I'm out on purgatory. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. So why do I get to sit next to a priest and say, you know, I was looking at this girl and I touched myself and I did this and I sinned. Why do I have to do that? So I, I was ambiguous on that. I gained clarity on that. That was the start. Secondly, I sin every single day. And I'm still working through so many things in my life that are of the sinful variety, including, you know, living with a woman and uh, first of all, living with a woman and not being married, which is living in sin technically. And, and, you know, we get into arguments or spats, maybe, maybe you and your wife do or whomever. And, you know, the tongue can get to be a little mean sometimes while fighting through that fighting through the way I look at people and stuff like that. So I, I'm not, you know, I didn't expect this to come up and I'm not sitting here preaching into a microphone that, that I'm Mr. Perfection. I'm not. Uh, like the Apostle Paul, you know, they perceived he had life at the top. All right. But peace was found at the bottom for the Apostle Paul. And I look at it that way professionally for me. The perception of what I do is that I have life at the top and I don't. All that's glittering is not gold with me. I beat myself up a lot. Uh, professionally, personally, with relationships, with my kids, and with my faith. And it's exhausting. But it's an exhausting endeavor that I enjoy every single day of my life. And so two years ago, through that, learning that I sin, and it's okay because it's forgiven, and I just started learning more about the Bible and just learning more about the, the totality of the story. And I would like nudge Poopy Dave and be like, well, I've always given like that. Well, I've always kind of been humble with, you know, this, and I've always lived that way. And Love Covenant, the radio show, that's a biblical, that's a biblical term, just like Good Samaritan from Samaria and, you know, the lady at the well. Um, there's so many terms from the Bible that we still use today an eye for an eye, stuff like that. And it just really hit my heart that I've been living a certain way and had a reprehensible, embarrassing, abhorrent, awful life in the 90s mm -hmm. and should have paid for it, and I never did. And I didn't go to college, and I was 150 grand broke 15 years ago. And I've never done play-by-play, -play, and now I work in the NFL. And right. I never had done radio, and now I've done it at KFAN in a major market for 23 years. And I auditioned for my first racetrack announcing job, and I won, having never done it. My career is an absolute miracle. It is a blessing given to me by God, and now I understand why. This massive following that I have developed through gifts given to me by him, including my skill set, is it's there for me to share his word and pull more people mm -hmm. to a right way to live. And I, I've unlocked it within the last two years. I do, you know, the, the steps to do chapel, and, and I'll invite you to one. I've invite, I haven't invited many of my friends, and I don't know why, um, because I don't, it's not like the closest people to me are going to roll in there and judge me and be like, you suck, or you're Billy Graham. It's not going to be either one. But it, it's... For, for those who know what I do and how I do it, to see me in that arena doing it a completely different way, that, that's something I that eventually I want you and others to see. 
Um, and, and it's not, you know, any kind of cabal or any kind of cult trying to pull people in and you're going to do it this way. It's not like that. You're not going to make me drink any Kool-Aid or anything. Uh, right? Not at all. And you're not going to look at the Egyptian woman with the big rack more than I once. don't have to wear like certain colored Nikes or anything to no, get there. No, okay. You're good. Right. You're good. Um, but you know, there, there are just things with Christianity that turn people off. And I don't have to be taught the fact that I don't need to beat into somebody's head if they're not into what I'm into. Well, you're making a mistake. You're going to go to hell. You're a sinner. I don't do that. Yeah. If, if I talk to an atheist, I don't say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm going to pray for you. I don't do that. It's, it's, there's a certain way to live and to do it. And God will pull those people where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're exactly where we're supposed to be, whether we recognize it or not. And if you think you're going to second guess it, and God's will frequently does not make sense. And there, I mean, right before Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. But right before that, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. So even to Jesus, God the Father's will sometimes didn't make sense. So when you come to grips with that, you're not pushy. You don't have to have all the right answers. And you naturally are humble. You give and you care about others. The next step is capitalizing in a positive way and a truthful way on this massive following and these unbelievable jobs that I have out of nowhere. And my career is a miracle. So you put that whole thing together. And then in March, running hospice for eight days. Um of Lisa's mom with COVID and cancer dying. And her daughter, Lisa, is at St. Joseph's Hospital with COVID pneumonia. And now all of a sudden, I'm spiritually running an in-home hospice for eight days, carrying a woman to death. A woman who I would go chat with for months ahead of time without Lisa even knowing, because this tough Detroit lady named Armony, she was beating herself up about a divorce when she was 20, Mm. 60 years, and 60 years previous. And didn't know anything about the Bible. And I wanted to let her know that some of the most powerful and influential people in the Bible were the worst people that you'll ever read about. Yeah, they're given second chances, second, right. third chances. Thank you. Yeah. So, Armony, you're not to dwell. Let me tell you a story about Saul the persecutor who became the Apostle Paul. Uh, let me tell you about the tax collector Matthew. Here's how bad he was. He ripped off his own Jews and he gave it to Romans and shortchanged them. So, you know, he was awful. And then he, the book of Matthew is the book of Matthew. That's what he became. Um, so stop dwelling. And, and you're not bad. And it, you're, it's done. It's gone. It's done. So teaching her the Bible and being next to her as she was dying for eight days, getting her to say, come Holy Spirit, reading the story of Noah's Ark, reading the story of David and Goliath, telling her about Samson and the power of Jonah going into the mouth of the whale and sharing the prophecy with her with some of these popular stories that she would know, it, it's the greatest honor of my life, mm-hmm. and, and it's not even close. I mean, the last word she shared when, I mean, it was right at the end and her jaw was locked and, you know, there, there, there just were so many things to overcome, you know, to, to get her to the finish line, is I said to her, do you see God? And I mean, she's out of it and she's about to die. And the last word she said, when I said, do you see God? And she said, yes. And her eyes were closed and she hadn't talked for a half a day, maybe a day. And I said, what do you see? And she said, he's singing to me. 
and she never spoke again. So, you know, you look at it, people, listeners, uh, whomever can, can look at it however they want. I get the opportunity to look at it however I want to. And, and all of that for two years has just brought me so close to the Bible that there are so many things that I and my core four with Pastor West, Jeremiah, Coop, there's so many things that we do that we don't tell people about because we don't want credit for it. And I pine for the day that whether it's buying groceries at this Mexican store for people or Minnesota Teen Challenge or things that we do and things that we plan, I pine for the day the media catches wind of it. And because it's Paul Allen, Voice of the Vikings, so this will generate clicks at a website. Um, I, I, I pine for the day that I get the opportunity to say, no, we're not interested in doing a story on this unless it is to benefit this grocery store or this, uh, this group. Um, because we don't want the credit, right? And we don't no, we I, I, and we don't want the credit. We want to help. So that's it. That's uh, been the last two years. It's every second of every day. It's not stopping. It's only growing. Uh, there will be sacrifices along the way. They are coming. I know they are. It's going to be shocking to people. Some of these sacrifices because they're going to look at it from the earthly way mm-hmm. and say, well, how can you have worked so hard for this? And you're so good at this. And now it's gone. You'll see. Well, it sounds like that there's a there's a lot to sort of um, get into there is that, A, it seems like to me as I try to digest all of that is you just felt like there was an overwhelming sense of gratitude that you sort of had to repay back. As you look back at your life and you're like, Amen. I, you know, I've been blessed with this, 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 this. I was not great in the 90s, but yet I was still kind of like given these this ability and this uh, bravery to go out there and just throw myself out there and try to get these jobs. And I got them. And you continue to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And you're like, all right, there's something. there's got to be something bigger to this. And I got to show my gratitude to whoever you feel is responsible. And, and for you, that's, that's uh, Jesus Christ and Christianity. The other part of that is um, – I think this is there's two fascinating topics that that I've that I've always been fascinated with. Not so much the Bible, yes. Like the the people closest to me would would they would they would get this, but I've never shared this with a lot of people. I'm fascinated in the history of religion. Like every every off season, I would dive into um historical books about even even predating Christianity, like yeah. the origins of the origins of religion, fascinate me. That's awesome because so much of what we know Christianity was what the Egyptian Egyptian Coptics were doing way back in the day. E, you know, even before you know, we're talking five six thousand years, and they oh, found yeah, boy. they found relics that that very much mimic Christianity, and or Christianity mimics those. Yeah, and so it's like. What really came first? Who? What? What are the origin stories? How mm-hmm. does Greek and Roman mythology fit into all of this stuff? It, yeah. And it and it does sort of blend together. And yeah. I do think looking back two thousand years ago, and you're like, well, you know, the Jews felt this way, but the Jews were also very persecuted, enslaved all the time. They were told by the Old Testament that there's going to be a savior coming, and they're just so hungry for somebody to be like, I'm here, I'm saving you from all this persecution. No, you know. The critic in me and the cynic in me will say, well, was that really Jesus? Or they just kind of like found a, a guy that was a very loud, uh, believable preacher with a great personality that just was at the right time, at the right moment. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, they obviously wrote wrote a, a tremendous book about him that that we still worship today. Yeah. The third part of that that story is the other thing that I've been very fascinated in, and I, I want to get somebody on this podcast about it, is I... 
I wrote a research paper in high school. Now, I use the term research very loosely because it's high school. It's not exactly I'm like writing a doctoral deal in college. Mm-hmm. But near-death experiences. Your, your situation with, with Lisa's mom fascinates me because there's so much – there's so many stories, very anecdotal, not proven – Science is trying to say, well, the reason why people see these flashes of light or a tunnel or uh, people in recent memory, those are just conjured up memories and images that come when the oxygen is depleted from the brain. Mm-hmm. It's, a ver- it's a very natural scientific thing that yeah. happens when you, when you squeeze off the oxygen supply to the brain. Yep. That's what the brain is going to do because people have seen those similar things even without having a true near-death experience. I tend to think it's the other way. You know, there's that that mystical side of me that does think that there is something beyond this. Mm-hmm. And to hear a story like that where she says, he's singing to me. What is that? You're the only person I've ever told that to outside of Lisa. Um, and I was compelled to tell it to you because it's kind of the end of when you said, like, over the last two years, what got you over the hump? <clears throat> you use the word gratitude. I would use the word grace. Mm. Um Grace, per the Bible, is receiving something you do not deserve. I don't deserve these jobs. I don't, okay? The life that I've lived, not going to college, and and I got all of them. I won all of them. Are you kidding me? That Whether it's Minneapolis miracle, the word miracle, miracle of, of healing a leper, causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear, miracles in the Bible— my career's a miracle. This following I have is a miracle. So that's how I look at that that part of grace, receiving what I absolutely do not deserve. Now, you hit on a very a very good point because it's kind of like, you know, there there are Christians who will beat people down and turn people off to Christianity and that really bugs me. When it comes to when people ask me, you know, what is God to you? What what are godly moments to you? I don't, I've never seen a vision. I've never been talked to. I don't talk in tongues. I don't, there's never a vapor in front of me, okay? So I don't look for that either. But I look at my career as a miracle, and now at age 55, I recognize what I can do with this following, and I've seen it over the last six months, how it benefits people, and there are people who want to follow the journey, because the journey is righteous, the journey is good, the journey is giving, the, the journey is helping, the journey is thy, not I. It's very, very powerful. But, you know, people can look at situations, like you said, with science. They can look at it however they want. March 1st, when Eric Sugarman, the trainer for the Vikings, called me and said, you have COVID, because I went over to the bioreference trailer. Mm-hmm. Lisa had it, her mom had it, um, her brother had it, so I was the only one I hadn't tested and I went and tested. She called up and said, you got it. And I go, okay, what's next? He goes, sit around and you're going to get hit. Okay, cool. Two hours later, I had the worst fatigue for two days and change that, I mean, it was unbelievable. I couldn't respond to texts. I, I couldn't read the Bible. I couldn't listen to it. The, the way I perceive life, that, that whether you're, you are a Christian or not, what was happening to me there was evil. What is happening to people with COVID is evil. That, that, that is awful. It's just terrible. I felt it. That fatigue is terrible. Um, so now I, I can barely talk, man. You know, it's like Tuesday into Wednesday, March 2nd into March 3rd. It's like 1.32 in the morning. I'm not sleeping, laying there all hot, fatigue. I muster up an eight-second prayer. 
uh, for the first time in, in two days, basically saying, I'm not worthy of your grace, Father. I need to please heal me for harmony, okay, because she needs me. And again, I had read the Bible to her and gone to her house and held her hand and just been next to her as close as I've ever been to a human being in my life. And she needed me. And so now the next day, um, I'm over at Armony's house because I make Lisa take me there to Woodbury with my Bible. Um, Wes, via FaceTime, prays. She's going downhill fast, mm-hmm. okay? Everybody who said the elderly with pre- preordained conditions, when they get COVID, mew, everything speeds up. I lived it and saw it. And it was going fast. So she's in a bed on a Wednesday, March 3rd. Couldn't get out of it. So I read part of John 14, part of Romans 8. We pray for her via FaceTime. And, you know, now I say another prayer. Lisa and Jimmy, her brother, are crying. Armony stone face because that's how she is. And the sweat. And, and I had to take my stocking cap off. And I almost had to take all my clothes off. My fever broke right there. Just broke. Went out to my car. I could smell the cigarette smoke from five years ago. I could smell. I could taste. My fever broke. It's gone. It's gone. Okay, I'm dancing around to Jackie Wilson's Lonely Teardrops to make Armony laugh. Two hours later, it's gone. You look at it scientifically however you want. I was healed. I was healed of COVID at that moment because this woman's daughter started to cough and breathe badly. Well, two days later, she's going to be in the hospital for eight days with COVID pneumonia. And there's going to be nobody there to take care of her mom. I had to be healed because I was the only one to do it. Her brother has had a rough life for half of his life. He was there to help, and he, and Jimmy Jimmy did a lot of great things during that time, but I had to be there. So that's how I look at life. And people have the right to look at me and say, you're crazy, and you're forcing all of this. No, I'm not. It's I was healed of COVID, so I could carry a woman to her grave because her daughter was in a hospital with COVID pneumonia and couldn't get out. That's God. When people ask me what's God— it's not something in my, something I hear or see or a vision or a vapor or somebody talking in tongues to me. That's God. To me, that's God. And, and that led me to the most powerful, instrumental, significant, honorable week I've ever had in my life. Let me push the clutch, shift gears just a quick minute, but along the same lines. But with your so, study of religion, th- there's only one— religion where there's been a resurrection and and that's christianity uh not so not not necessarily i ain't gonna argue with you because i am not an elite uh I'm well not. that's what i was saying about the the egyptian coptics back in the day five thousand years ago well into bc had had a lot of greek and roman mythology where there is a, a savior born of a virgin hmm. um this the savior mimics a lot of what jesus did and said okay. um you know, there's a, a persecution. There's a betrayal. There's a resurrection. Wow. Um, there so are there are medallions and and images and jewelry made from back in the day, mm-hmm. which which looks like a modern day version of Mary holding a baby. Yeah. So there's a lot of just sort of a you know sort of copycatness, and I'm not saying that I got you. I'm not saying that. One is, you know, that Christianity is just a, a copycat of that and a carbon copy. I just think that throughout history, people have been looking for answers. Yeah. They have been looking, you know, 
we we would make up they made up stories and fables and tales about the stars in the sky. Yeah. You know, they used to believe that there's a, a god of weather, there's a god of the ocean, there's a god of this because that was that was the best way to explain things. Mm-hmm. And as people got more educated and all that stuff, um, I just think that a lot of the same values, virtues and and moral lessons have really just been passed down the line in and they kind of manifest itself in different ways. I yeah. mean, you can't tell me that um, all the other religions, based on all the things that you're grateful and gracious for, and the way that you live, it's basically the same template as what Christians believe. You know, and yeah. and it's like, and and that's where I take more of a holistic look on religion and say, I I think there's merit to all of them. Yeah, like you you've said that to me before. That's the, when when we talked about this months ago in the studio on a Thursday. You know, after Juicy plays, we do a segment, then we have a break. And we were talking yeah. about this, and you said that. And I've thought about it, and I am not so scholarly. I have no comeback, with the exception of whether it's Judaism, you're a Muslim, you're a Christian, you talk about the the Egyptian piece you just brought up. If it leads to love, equality, giving if you have it or if you don't have it, recognizing Life at the top is not yelling Minneapolis miracle. Life at the top is finding peace at the bottom and a willingness to help others who can't help themselves. And certainly not boasting about anything I or we do that is super well received by the masses and just the 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 lessons of love. And that, it, it, no matter how you get there, get there because that's the right way to live. And for me, it, it's via Christianity and it's via the totality of the story. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, there, you're triggering just so many things now. It's, it's like, you know, we said if you're an atheist, there are just so many Christians who are like, you're wrong, you're going to hell, yeah, we'll beat yeah, you down. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is incredibly important in my life, but you're never going to hear me say, the Holy Spirit guided me to this, the Holy Spirit guided me to that. Now, I believe it, but you're never going to hear me say it. Right. Because say you believe in God, you believe in Christ, you pray, you go to church, you give money, you're nice to people, you're kind to people, you know, but, whoa, you know, Paul has that and I never do, you know, well, that I don't want people to feel that. Right. I don't want people to be, well, how come Paul is healed? There's nothing special about me in believing that 40 hours into COVID I was healed because, of course, God knows that a woman's going to be in a hospital for eight days with COVID pneumonia and a woman's going to die. Mm. Okay, Th- those connect the dots of divinity like that. Um, but it's it's in no way making me special because God deemed that person needs to be healed right now for this. Now I'm over to Ben and Edina. Now I'm over to so-and-so in Botswana. Now I'm over to so-and-so in Argentina. Um, so it, it it's... You, you don't look at yourself any different than anybody else, no matter what jobs you have, what level of income. But see, there are facets in my life now where I won't push back and I won't say anything in crowds. But when people brag about money, when people brag, it drives me nuts. Yeah, me it too. really, really drives me nuts. And I have to bite my tongue um, because if just just my career doing play by play or race calling, we'll just take those two. The the Apostle Paul found peace when he was in prison, writing Philippians and Colossians and Galatians and writing books of the Bible. He's in prison. This was the Hebrew of Hebrews. 
this was the man with the most impeccable resume at that point of the Bible. And he had life at the top, but found peace at the bottom when he was in jail and in prison. And in one of those chapters, Philippians 3, 5 through 9, he says, you have confidence, I had more. You did this, I did it five times, and none of it matters. So once you know Isn't none of— Isn't that bragging, though? No. Why? When you, when you say none of it matters— uh, if, you, if you throw out a qualifier at the end of it and say none of it matters. But, 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 see, but even before that, it's kind of like, eh, you've got that, but I've got more. Like That's kind of braggy to me. But it is a reminder that you can look at your resume, and mine was greater including with you playing in the National Football League. How many people tried to get where you got and never could? How many people tried to get where I've gotten on the microphone and can't? So we can say, without being arrogant, you have confidence, but we have more. However, none of that matters without a devotion to the right way to live. For me, it's via the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, via the Bible, and via just doing your best to not sin and to live a right way, thy, not I. So, no, certainly I'm the last person who's ever going to brag and be like, my Minneapolis miracle was better than your call here. You'll never, ever, ever hear me talk like that. But see, all of that to me, and before we move off this, this sub- subject, all of that to me, what you just described, is subjective. You know, if if he's sitting in a prison, which— what else are you gonna do? You ain't got shit to do but do push-ups and pull-ups. You might as well write something, right? Oh, man. You, so, they, so like they had jailhouse yokes two thousand years ago. Right? Yeah, he he had his shirt off like Shanko, just lifting weights in there. Okay, <laughs> so he's in there pumping iron. Yeah, you know, doing doing body weight squats, and mm-hmm. he's writing he's writing some books and he's writing his thoughts down. Now, when you when you say like, well, I recognize that you did A, but I did A plus. That's subjective. Even even if there's a monetary value on that, even if there's a societal achievement attached to that, which everybody sees and feels, that's still subjective. Because what if that person that got the A, what if they're just as freaking happy and so proud of themselves and so confident and, they, and they're beaming with this pride of like, man, I worked my ass off. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get a D and I got an A. Who are you to tell me that my A is not good enough and your A plus is better? I can I can walk around just as much swagger as you can mm-hmm. because I'm just as proud of myself. I but then, but then yeah. throws out the qualifier like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to throw it out there, but it doesn't really matter. See, that, those, those are the but issues with I Paul, have. That's was, not the case. I mean, in the his resume was impeccable with what went into Jewish law. Okay, with what was important to the Jews and the Pharisees, and his role as Saul the persecutor where if you even for a second thought there was a Messiah, he cut your head off. So, I mean, and that at that time was considered to be the Hebrew of the Hebrews. That with, with as resumes would go, that is as good as it could get without, you know, being God or being a ruler or being a Pharisee. So I'm just going to read this to you and you, you okay. just, you take it in however you want. Okay. okay. Philippians 3, 5 to 9. Um, So we'll go with four. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, which would be man, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof, I'm just going to King James Version real quick. (laughs) Difficult for everybody. I like listening to the poetic version. Um, Though though I myself had re... um, Sorry about that, Ben. 
for this is who we are, the circumcision who serve God by a spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, which I don't. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And and he found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith, Christ. So I have no idea what he said there. It, well, i got to be honest. I have no idea what he said there. Uh, what, what, what he's saying is that the perception of life at the top may be the perception of everybody, and that's great. Let's go ahead and pat everybody on the back. Go ahead and love them, fillate them, jump on their jock, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. And and if when it, when it comes to having no confidence in the flesh, it let's just take a look since the pandemic began. You know, the the whether you're atheist or whether you're Christian or anything in between, dispute this. When the pandemic began, four days into it, three days into it, I said to my kids and to Lisa, this is a wounding by God. And you cannot. There have been woundings all throughout the Bible. Or a lab leak. And all, <laughs> I mean, all throughout you, the course you think, of time. You think you think it was divine intervention that somehow the the research they're doing in Wuhan was was divine intervention that that leaked out whether it was purposeful or not? I, like, I'm saying that this is a wounding of the world, and it's up to people. Sure, but you think it was divine intervention that, that well, that happened? Well, let's look at it this way: whether you're atheist or whether you're staunch Christian, it cannot be disputed. That in the early stages of this pandemic, and maybe still, the vain had their mirrors shattered. The greedy were twisting and turning, or forced to give. The hedonistic, tinder, whatever. They either stopped or they pulled back. Now, those are three awful sins per the Bible. And there's no disputing all of that pulled back. So now, how you get to the reasons they pulled back is up to you. And for me, it immediately was recognized. I could, you know, I'm not going to bore your audience with a reading from Hosea, but in the Old Testament in Hosea, northern and southern Israel were wounded by God for heading to Assyria and honoring Baal. King Baal, because he had the women and he had the food and he had the water and he had the gold. Well, so God wounded Israel, the, the Holy Land, his most cherished land. And then whatever years into it, they did the same thing again, and they went and, and they went to Baal and went to Assyria and went to man, and they were wounded again. And finally, after the second time, they gave their lives up to God, and things started to flourish. That's the book of Hosea from the Old Testament. There are countless woundings we could talk about off mic anytime you want, and that's how I live my life. People can live their lives however they want, and I ain't going to judge you. If you're an, and we work, we we work with an atheist or atheists, and I will never judge those human beings, and I'm never going to put my arm around them and be like, "Man, I really feel for you." That's that individual's lot in life, and I'm not going to judge them because, like when Adrian Peterson in 2014, man, you know, when when he beat his kid, 
it that was awful. Yes, obviously I can see the pictures. I can see the welts. Adrian's been great to former teammate of yours. Um, he's been great to my charities, great to my kids. I'm close with Adrian. Yes, this hurts me. But after taking about three phone calls on it with all this judging, I had to stop and say, look, whether you believe it or not, in my world, only one can judge, and it's not me, and it's not you. So I'm done with the judging, and we'll be right back, and just kind of moved on from it. Now, that was 2014. So, you know, that was happening in 2014. I told you about how all my life I've prayed, and I've been the one to be like, thank you, Father, for this beautiful paddock uh, on a sunny day at Canterbury, and then that, and then Armony, and then now Mondays at Canterbury in the chapel with the crowd, and then what we do as a core four to help, whether you're Christian or not, there's, there's nothing but good in what's being done, and that's how people need to live. For me, for me, it comes through the prophecy. It, I, it, it, I channel it through the Bible, and it gets stronger every day, more of a desire to want to help, give, love, not judge, not lust, and so on. Well, I, I think, A, I think that's super commendable that that's, that's how you're choosing to um, take the passion of yours and, and spread it across as, as far and wide as you can with the, with the conviction that you have. Um, I, I just, I feel the same way. I think a lot of people feel the same way. And I feel, the, I feel, the last thing I'll say about this is I feel that same way across every religion that, that I think is out there. I think inherently every single religion really at the core of it is the same. Now, every religion has used their beliefs to create wars, uh, to create bloodshed, to conquer people and nations, to spread the word. And Christianity is, they're not innocent. I mean, all of the things that happened back in the day, blood is on their hands too. Yeah. So I, I think when you, when, you, when you total it all out and you zero it all out, man, Whatever your religion is, as long as it has those those fundamentals, those core fundamentals, is treating people right, loving people, being giving, being humble, dude, knock yourself out. Do yeah. do whatever do whatever makes you feel good. Now, I do wanna I do wanna um, kind of transition into all of this that we're talking about is the way that you can project yourself right now, and the way that you project yourself with your life. There's a vulnerability to it that you you put out there, and you don't really care. I'm sure that there's times where you like you hear criticism and they're like, "Oh, that kind of stings, or that kind of cuts." But by and large, you have put yourself out there more than any other person I've been around. And and for that I'm thankful because for me getting in this business, I always felt like there was this this like template. Like, "Oh, you want to be a broadcaster? Um here's the Here's the Syracuse version of how to yeah, be a broadcaster. Perfect example. You know? Yeah. This is what we teach at Syracuse, the number mm-hmm. one broadcasting school in the nation. Look at all these people that we've produced. And by and large, they're they're good. They're kind of cookie cutter. But that's the way I always kind of felt. And until I started to really become, try to become a student of just this entertainment world, I looked to people like you and a lot of people at this station yeah. um, at KFAN of like, it is just entertainment. It is entertainment, but on top of that, I have to I have to give you props for always putting yourself out there. Like I think that the reason why people like you, and the reason why people are are uh, you're you're so polarizing is because you have this vulnerability and this this cocksureness, this confidence about what you do, no matter what it is, whether you're at Canterbury, you're calling a game, uh, you're doing your radio show, whatever it is, you put it out there. Has that 
Was there somebody in your life that you watched as you're growing up that says like, damn, that's the way I want to do it. I want to be somebody that is unapologetic about who I am, what I stand for and what I believe in. And if you like it, great. If you don't, great. But I'm going to be me and I'm going to be me and I'm going to be loud about it. Uh, there is nobody. Uh, my mom is the most influential person in my life. God rest her soul. She died in 06. Um, and, you know, like I moved, uh, I moved full time to Minnesota in 98 had my first son, Derek, in 2000. Well, my mom, along with um, my father-in-law, Smitty, they sold their newspaper business, newspaper distribution business, in 2000 and moved to Minnesota to be with my son and their grandchild. So I I would have to say my mom, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just unadulterated giving right there. They don't have a ton of cash. You know, they have this business they need, yet they uprooted and moved to a state in the middle of the country from the Los Angeles area, and you lived in San Diego, <clears throat> so you know it's markedly different here, and for the better, in my opinion, now that I've lived here as long as I have. But the ultimate sacrifice, giving, uh, giving for others. It would have to be my mom. I've always been like this. I've always, you know, I've been accused of being too open. I'm too black and white. Um, you know, I, I, I used to lie a lot. Um, and I don't know why I did. I never lie anymore. Mm-hmm. It's very important to me not to lie because uh, I used to do it a lot because I was insecure in myself. And I would lie and, and you know, uh, pontificate or build up stories bigger than they really were. Um, and I no longer do that. And it's just, you know, once professionally as I gained confidence, I gained confidence in the, the gifts that I've been given and, and that I do belong. And even though I didn't go to college and even though I was broke X amount of years ago and, you know, my, my road has been the one less traveled, that that's okay. And, and I do belong. And, you know, it's, I never cared if I was as good as Kevin Harlan or as good as Wayne Larravee or in racetrack announcing as good as Tom Durkin or Trevor Denman. I just know God put me in a position where these are my first jobs so I didn't cut my teeth in these tiny markets stealing somebody else's style. I came in with my own style, for better or for worse, and it's very open. And it's very emotional. And that's who I am. And I'm flattered when I hear other people call races or call games, and I hear part of my flair or what I do. Because that means I did something that helped them. So I've just kind of always been that way, and that was very nice what you said to me. Thank you. Well, you know, the the worst the best and worst advice I ever got going into this business was from multiple people and even executives, even you know the broadcasters themselves. I said, just kind of give me some advice on what I should do and how do I approach this. And I always felt like it was a cop out when they'd say, just be yourself, man. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there needs but, to be more. But, 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 here, but hold on. Here's the, here's the deal, though. That's exactly what you did. Well, that, yeah. You know, in, in a roundabout way. There's more. There, there is more, but I think when you boil it down, it's, it's don't try to be somebody else. Hundred percent. You know, you be you. Yeah. Now there's a there's a, me- a mechanism and there's a way to kind of do things. You know, I think there's a structure to kind of how to do things, how to do a radio show, how to call a game. The structure is there, but in that structure, you be yourself. You be you, and you be entertaining. Yeah. And and it took it is taken. And I still feel like it's a work in progress, but it takes so long. To try something that didn't work, that didn't feel comfortable. Um, maybe, maybe it was just that day, or maybe, maybe I should try it again. 
And it was years, I'm telling you years before I truly felt like sitting in front of a microphone or in front of a camera that you could relax your shoulders and just kind of be yourself. Yeah. You know? Well, it's being yourself while outworking everybody and having unique facets to to your personality that God has given us and people buy into it. I mean, as long as we've known each other, man. I mean, you know, my, my equilibrium is higher and my uh, metabolism is higher than a lot of people. That's just how God wired me. And I blink a lot. I have facial tics. I have all my life. You know, I'm just different. I've always been different than everybody else without trying. So therefore, that's myself. Now, you unfurl it and unveil it in a way the masses have to buy into and they have to appreciate it, like you said. You know, you've always been vulnerable and put yourself out there. Well, I don't do it by design. That's who I am. And you outwork everybody. Now, you can fill your pockets and empty your soul. And and I did that. And it it led to a divorce. It was played into a divorce. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't as present with my kids um, while my career was growing. Um, and, of course, I regret that. But I don't dwell on it because I can't change it. Right. There's nothing I can change about it except like when I go to Colorado with my daughter, like I did last week, you know, let's put all the time and resources and everything into making sure that she's comfortable and Derek's comfortable and my ex-wife is comfortable and Lisa's comfortable and though Nordo and those in my life, Mouse Mickelson at Canterbury, everybody in my life, I live to make sure they are comfortable. And that goes back to when you started, when we were doing the simulcast and and, and, you know, I sensed that you were struggling with something and I can't remember what it was, but I gained the confidence to talk to you about something. And I think it resonated with you and, you know, working at the fan, Corey, hockey, uh, sauce, common Barrero, me, we're different. we we all are different people from what people would define as the norm and, we all, for the most part, work hard and, you know, we are being ourselves. So you're right. Be yourself for sure. But there's more to it with the work and just the unique nature of your personality that you don't force. And if they don't buy into it, they don't buy into it and you're done. Fortunately for me, God blessed me with a skill set and a personality and a life that people seem to be intrigued by. So I'm just, I'm just grateful that that's the case. So let's let's do a, a hard left turn in Albuquerque and uh, and let's talk Vikings real quick. Yes, sir. We are on the doorstep to another Vikings season, 2021 Vikings season. Uh, the Vikings have at this point in time checked in for camp already. They will have gone through a couple practices, uh, one of which you're going to broadcast from there. But as the listeners are listening to this right now, we are basically at the very front of training camp in this new season. Given, I know this is such a broad question, it's really hard to answer, but given all the pieces they added, are you believing in your heart of hearts, are you believing the hype right now that this team has sort of righted the personnel wrongs, they've added the depth that they've wanted, and that they truly are a playoff-bound football team? You know, I think think Zimmer last year did – the best work he's ever done as a head coach. Agreed. And like Harrison Smith, I think he had his best season as a pro last year. When I bring it up to Harrison, he says, no, I disagree, but I understand what you're saying. Because of all the covering up he had to do for the kid corners and Harris and, 
you know, Zimmer to win seven games last year, to push Tennessee to the wire, to push Seattle to the wire the way they did with the with the deficiencies and the injuries they had, and they won seven games with that team? Are you kidding me? With that defense? I mean, how many times before a game we're like, wait, who's this corner? Right. Where did we get him from? Yeah. Oh, he just guy, joined He joined the team on Wednesday. Who's huh? the guy with the gold what? cleats and last name Tankersley? <laughs> like, where did he come from? And who's Ole guy at home against Dallas, uh, Chris Jones or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, with all that said, um, with the horses they have now defensively, specifically Dalvin Tomlinson, I'm really excited about him. Uh, his former head coach with the Giants is Pat Shermer. I chatted with Pat when I brought Child to Colorado, and he, the way he talks about Dalvin Tomlinson is he'll fight for you tooth and nail right to the wire. you got a wonderful, wonderful player who's a three-technique who's not great at pass rushing, but he's getting better, and he's just the ultimate team guy. So I'm really intrigued by him. So with everything they added defensively and offensively, what already was good – hopefully getting better with Darasaw, maybe Wyatt Davis, the guard wins a job. They should win no fewer than 11 games. I mean, they it, this needs to be 11 or higher. Uh, uh, you know, obviously with, with injuries, you know, thinking if they keep all the right people. Sure. Yeah. So uh, they need to push to win the division. Uh, Aaron is back with Green Bay, but does that mean all the consternation is gone? I don't believe it is. So uh, if they take a little step back, I won't be surprised. I know we will take a step forward. And um, – I believe the Vikings are going to win the division this year. Um, I'm I'm not going to say they're going to win it with a record where they get that off week and then do like you guys did in 09, start with Dallas. Um, but um, they're going to win the division this year, and they're going to be very good. They're going to push to get to the Super Bowl. And there's there are going to be a lot of narratives that are here right now with Zimmer, Cousins, and other people that I predict are in the rearview mirror at the end of the year. So let me ask you now a tricky hypothetical if and I agree with you, I I think that the Vikings will go eleven and six, and and be a major player in the playoffs. Now, whether they're Super Bowl caliber, I don't know. I I don't like saying that because there's only two teams that are going to make it. I yeah. think that they have everything that that they need to get there, and now they have to go out there and prove it. But let me ask you this then: If the Vikings fall short of eleven and seven or eleven and six, let's say they go six and eleven, why? What what would yeah. happen? What would happen if this thing Great totally question. implodes? Well, it, because it's clear with the way Zimmer's deal was structured, the fact that that you know via Twitter and via NFL Films or whatever it was, the Vikings flirted with Justin Fields. I mean, the Carolina Panthers put that out. They tried to get Justin Fields, and they drafted Kalamon. So what does all that mean? Where the Wilfs? How secure are they with Zimmer as the coach? How secure are they with Cousins as the quarterback? I can't answer that because I don't talk to him. But look at the way Zimmer's deal is constructed and what they tried to do in the draft. This is a very big year. It's a very, very big year. If it were to be derailed, then I believe, you know, Patrick Peterson's right at the end. They they went, and, and he's HOF, and wonderful guy. I've had conversations with him. He's just, he gets it, and he's still good. Bashad Breeland, okay, he's had a very middle-of-the-road career. So why'd they go get Bashad Breeland? It's uh, clearly, I don't think they trust Cam Dantzler, you know, in his second year, or you don't go get Bashad. Now, they can come out and say, well, like D.D. Westbrook, he was available, too good to pass up, everything we've heard nine million times. Okay, whatever. Um, you went and got him when you got a second year corner this time last year. You couldn't stop telling everybody how much you loved. So the secondary meshing with the pass rush, 
Daniil is off a one-year layoff with a neck. Okay, yeah, I believe it'll work out well, but is it going to be 14 sacks? I need to see it. It feels like we haven't had a dominating three-technique rush the quarterback since since Kevin Williams and before that, John Randall. And the right defensive end spot has questions, in my opinion. So, you know, the protecting the secondary and the corners. Mackenzie Alexander knows Zimmer's system, but he's on a one-year minimum deal. You know, Mackenzie, it behooves him to play incredibly well to continue to get deals. Um, so I'm not pinning it on the secondary. The offensive line is what a lot of people would say. Uh, the offensive line needs to perform well. Uh, so I think those two things, offensive line and secondary meshing with pass rush. So you're leaning more towards defense again. Like we have a, a pretty kick-ass offense, as Brad Childress would say, um, right now on paper. Basically, everybody returns from last year. We get some more pieces offensively on the offensive line. You could argue that we got more athletic at tight ends. You know, I would say so, at least in the field of play. Now you get to the, towards the red zone. Yeah. Kyle was was elite. Um, yep. It looks like this offense is going to be the one that propels this team, at least in the early stages. So you're saying if this team gets derailed, it's probably a lack of mesh or quality of players defensively in the secondary. Well, the coordinator's new, and Kubiak's his last name, and I love Clint, but he's new. He's like 34, so he's doing it for the first time. You know, then uh, now Dennison, the offensive line coach, becomes a consultant, so he's not going to be there all the time. And I happen to think Rick's very important to Clint, specifically with the running game. So you got to overcome that. The they they're void big receivers. Okay, it's like Denver for an example. Tim Patrick. Okay, Tim Patrick. Who cares? He's a very big receiver who makes big third down catches. I think Cortland Sutton is on the bigger side. J.J. is one of the three best, four best receivers in the NFL, and Thielen's resume speaks for itself. But they're not big. You know, mm-hmm. Kyle was big. Kyle was that big red zone bit that would box you out like he was getting a rebound. Well, Irv, Tyler, and whomever, they're not like that. So they got to overcome that. And um, so with the coordinator being new, I mean, it's if it meshes and is, is exactly how it should be, first play Cincinnati right till the end of the year, then God bless Clint, and and it worked out beautifully. But I think there might be some bumps there too, and the schedule's tough. So you got to win at Cincinnati, okay? Teams that are going to win eleven games and have Super Bowl aspirations, you don't lose your home opener at Cincinnati. Then you go to Arizona and you pull an upset. Kyler's good with DeAndre and AJ Green. They're good, but so are you. So go there and win. You don't lose your home opener. Don't let Russell come in here and beat you. Then you have Stefanski. Now. That's going to be unbelievable with former offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, 15 years of his life here against Zimmer and his defensive mind. Got to find a way to win that one. Need to be six and one ish before the bye. And then after that, you're going to take you're going to take some losses. Don't take them early. Take them in the middle. Um, and that should get you to 11. So if if I'm of the belief, and I know a lot of people say that the NFL is a copycat league and in some ways it is. So if I'm going to look at last year's champion, and that's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Here's why, and I know this is a lot of pressure and expectation for this de- defensive line in front seven early on the season, but I am of the belief, and I've always believed, and you and I have talked about this, you still have to win the game in the trenches. You can, have, you can have a Patrick Mahomes, you can have a Tom Brady, you can have all this, but how did, yeah. how did Tampa Bay win the Super Bowl? Look what happened to Mahomes when he lost exactly. his trenches. They they won it by the, with their front seven. Yes. Okay? So... The Kyler Murray game, second game of the season, I get it. 
I want to see how this front seven plays. Yeah. That's a huge test to me. If they can pass that test with a quarterback that should be much more comfortable in that system and an offense much more comfortable, I think, we, I think we're in the right direction. If we can beat uh, Baker Mayfield the next week, mobile quarterback who likes to run around, if we can do that and make him uncomfortable with our front seven, now we're talking. we got a chance. Because you have to start looking at if we get in the playoffs, it's, yeah, we have to beat the team in front of us. But if you're going to win a Super Bowl and you let's say you're going to face Patrick Mahomes, I do think that the, the blueprint and the template is win with your front seven. I, I'm not worried about Dalvin. Yeah. Dalvin's going to do his thing. Great Dalvin's going to his, get his yards. Kirk's going to get the ball around, even if he's game manager, Kirk, yep. to not give the game away. I think you win the game with your front seven. Well, I forgot to ask you this recently on the radio. With uh, Assuming they're healthy, okay, Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson in front of Eric Hendricks. Could that be as good as what you played behind, Williams, Williams, and EJ? Yeah, I, I think it's you know well, we have key. we have yet to see how these guys work together, so it's hard for me to say that they're going to be as good or better. But you know, it'd be it'd be foolish and close minded for me to think that like no, the guys that I played with are way better. These guys right now have the the makeup to be as good or better than the Williams wall that I played against and or played with. And that's not to say those guys weren't good. It's just that these guys, every year these guys get better and better. Every year these guys get bigger, faster, and stronger. And so who's to say that these guys aren't bigger, faster, and stronger right. and, and clog up the run lanes and keep the guys clean at the second level for those guys to make plays. Now, so to, to end this conversation, the Vikings conversation, I know that Kirk gets a lot of crap, takes a lot of shit. And I'm, I am a Kirk fan. I'm a Kirk backer. Do you think it's fair, the criticism that he gets? Well, the, the, the way I put it on the radio show, and it's from the heart, and I, I believe it, is if you protect Kirk, he'll kill every single defense in the NFL. You protect him, he's going to kill all of you because of arm strength, accuracy, and the work he's put in. Problem is, when he doesn't get protected and he has to improvise, that's been a problem. So I do believe the criticism is fair when people hit Kirk with, A, when the dots aren't connected, you get fidgety and you make mistakes. Those are part of his past performances. So until those are rectified and until there's more improvisation to Kirk, and I believe he has it in him, look at the way he ran last year. You know, Kubiak and Stefanski, man, it took a year and a half to get him to take a deep breath and run for eight yards at a first down. It may look goofy when he runs. It's not natural. It's not an, it's in Mike Vick is not blushing, but it's effective. So the next step is when a play breaks down, you ain't got to be Fran the man. You ain't got to be Russell. You ain't got to be Vick. You ain't going to run all over the place, but you got to make a guy miss. You got to shake on one guy, plant fire. And the improvisation is what will get him over the hump to help the offense get over the hump and lead the team to a Super Bowl. Do you feel like in some ways that's a little unfair? Why? Let's take Dalvin Cook. Or let's take let's take Justin Jefferson or let's okay, let's just circle back to Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. If you said the one thing that Dalvin Cook is missing is this ability to run guys over. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, as try try as he might, given his size and stature, if he puts all of this effort into the offseason of like I'm going to run some guys over. And it's it's good, but not great. Yeah. 
But all of a sudden, parts of his other game start to diminish a little bit. His his elusiveness. Now all of a sudden, he's thinking about, well, I I have to do what the what the coaches and the fans want of me to be this downhill north and south runner. Yeah. When I was drafted to make guys miss and show off my speed and my versatility, I I just I caution myself and I caution the fans that like. I know that we all want every player to be this Madden creative player where he checks every box. He has this amount of speed, elusiveness, smarts, quickness, um, awareness, all that, all of that stuff. I do think it's a little fair to say we're going to have Kirk be a creative player. We're, we're just going to we're just going to de- design him in a lab, and he better be that, or I'm going to hate on him. He's an elite passer. He really is. There's ga- there's throws that I've seen. I'm like, that's. That's a freaking dime yeah. in a big time moment. But yet our fan base wants to shit on him because he didn't elude a guy and That's make a, a guy point. miss. Well, yeah. guys, he but doesn't there needs have to be more. No, no. And I think that what I mean, he I think doesn't need to be a change of creative I think what player. He did last year was yeah. perfect. Right. You know, that's all I really want from Kirk at this point. My biggest thing with Kirk, when you're getting pressure and you're gonna you're gonna take a sack, don't throw it. Eat the ball. Yeah, I agree. Just eat the ball. You're so right. Just that yeah. To 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 complement his whole game with me, limit the turnovers not by take making safe throws. No, continue to throw the ball in there and try to thread the needle. Mm-hmm. Needle. I want you to do that. I want you to be that quarterback that can that can zero in on a guy and thread it. That's what that's what's going to win games. What I can't have is you haplessly throwing the ball up in the air and getting picked off, or you taking a a, a soft sack and the guy puts his hand in there or a helmet in there and knocks the ball out. Yeah. That bullshit's got to stop. Yeah, I agree. And Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And I move better than him. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But see, with Kirk and Tom, and you played against Tom, is Tom has won 85% of the battle when he walks on the field. Okay? The Liebers and the whomever, they can say all they want. No, no, no. We're not intimidated. He puts his pants on the same way. The whole thing. He's Tom Brady. And there are players who are beaten when Brady walks to the line because they're intimidated in my opinion. And and Tom takes advantage of that. And he eats the ball and goes down. And he doesn't throw dumb picks. Well, when Kirk walks to the line, I don't think anybody's overwhelmed with intimidation. No. He needs to eat the ball sure. instead of throwing it to Deion Jones, Mika Fitzpatrick, P.J. Williams, uh, whatever it is, whomever it is. And he um and and he needs and he needs to go down when is the right time to go down. Live to play another down. That cliche. So I agree with you that a creative player metamorphosis of a different person will not take place, and we should not expect it. But we also should expect somebody who is greatly gifted, who now has shown us you can take a step with the running. Yeah. Well, then take a step with the wiggle. Then take a deep breath during the course of the battle. When Lieber linebacker guys running at you, shake him. And just for a second to throw it away. Or something. So another step needs to be taken, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's uh, the right way to sort of end this. Is like I'm not looking for him to take leaps and bounds at this stage in his career. Yes, I want him to keep improving like he did last year, and I commend him for that because that's hard to do as a veteran at that age to like look at yourself critically and say, "All right, I need to get better at running the ball." Mm-hmm. And he and he did that. And I think he did that. He did a great job of that. Just keep doing that. Now that you set the standard and the expectation, my biggest thing is now don't don't have stupid turnovers. Yeah, that's it. Take care of the football. Let this team win around you. And you're going to be 
contending for the Super Bowl. Right. And and Jefferson, I mean what I say on Twitter and the radio, because I've seen him this offseason at OTAs and minicamp, and, and I've chatted with him now like we did recently on a radio show. He's better than he was last year, and he's humble. And, and Justin is a guy who is not going to stop working because he wants to beat you. And it, that's just naturally given to him. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost unstoppable. I just can't wait to watch Justin complimented by Adam with um with Irv and Tyler Conklin. I think is going to jump up a little. Dalvin is Dalvin. Uh, Kane Wongu. I'm curious to see how they're going to use him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sp- feels like special teams and or a gunner. Um, but man, when I was at an OTA and it's granted is three against three or twos against twos. When when he flared out left, and I don't think he can catch because he never did it at Iowa State. Um, but he when he hits that edge at with that speed, oh my God, he's a freak. He's unbelievably fast. Uh, so there's so much to excite me with this team. And if they stay healthy, man, they got to win at least eleven games, push to win the division, win playoff games, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Well, thank you very much. And, and that was thank, awesome. Thank you for the faith-based conversation out of the gate. I didn't think that was going to happen. I got long-winded on it. Uh, you asked some very pointed questions. Um, hopefully it's okay for your audience and didn't bore them. Because if, if you're at Unrestricted to learn about me, you ain't going to hear me talk about what went into the Minneapolis Miracle. You ain't going to hear me talk about the origin of and they're racing. If you want to get to know me, then what you heard with Ben, that's me. And that has been me, it is me, and it's going to be me. So if you're here to learn about me and it bored you, I'm sorry, but that's me. Yeah. Well, thanks for the time. Thanks for being real. And uh, love you, bro. I love you too. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. That That's going to do it for this week here on Unrestricted. Once again, uh, please like, comment, uh, share Unrestricted with all your friends and family. Uh, I do enjoy reading all the comments you guys leave and all the feedback. I do take it to heart. And I have to thank uh, my special, special sponsors, uh, Douglas and Todd Bourbon, best bourbon uh, in, the, in the country. Screw all those Kentucky bourbons. We make some great <laughs> award-winning bourbon right here in Minnesota. So check it out at douglasandtodd.com, and we'll see you next week. Bye.